The federal government has shut down, but the turn limits movement hasn't. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of January 21st, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. We'll discuss today what's happening in the states and what is not happening in Washington, D.C. with U.S. Turn Limits Executive Director Nick Tombolides. Hey, Nick. Happy Monday, Phil. So what's going on down in the states? We're seeing some action, I hear. That's right. That's right. Term limits activists are sweeping the nation. The state legislative sessions are getting started all over the place, and our team is working with state legislators and working with volunteers on the ground to get the term limits convention bills filed. Remember, this is the way that states are going to take power back from Washington, D.C., implement term limits on Congress by calling a convention. And this week, we've actually had three term limits bills filed in three very diverse states, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and West Virginia. Okay, fantastic. And of course, this uh, we talked in the last week's podcast about how the federal term limits bill has been dropped uh, in the U.S. Congress. And so as we've been discussing these actions in the states, the more states call for a term limits convention will put more pressure on on uh, Washington to act. So three states so far, I think we're targeting... 10, right? How many states are U.S. tournaments really focusing on, meaning sending people in the streets, um, in the capitals, and expending some, uh, uh, some money? Well, we have volunteers in all 50 states. There's no state in which some kind of term limits activism will not be taking place. Uh, but the five mm-hmm. states that we are targeting uh, with the most resources this year are Kentucky, West Virginia, Georgia, Arizona, and Utah. Uh, These are the states where we've had the most success at recruiting candidates for the state legislature and incumbents to sign our pledge, uh, committing themselves to the term limits resolution. In three of these states, we've already passed a single chamber, which means we're halfway there. We just need to go to the second chamber and capitalize on it. So these are the five states where we have the strongest chances of passage uh, in 2019 and where we're putting the most resources. What states are new on the list of states that are, are, we're focused on? Um, because I noticed that some of those, we've, we've won the first chamber already, so we clearly have made a lot of progress. I hadn't heard Vermont discussed a whole lot. What's the story about uh, what's going on in Vermont? Well, Vermont is very interesting. They have the duo of U.S. senators with the most collective time in office. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Patrick Leahy collectively have more experience than Methuselah. I think they're over 70 (laughs) combined years of Senate experience. So you wouldn't necessarily think it would be a haven for term limits, um, but our experience has shown us that it is. I mean, it's it's considered mainly a a progressive-leaning state. The Democrat progressives in Vermont are for term limits. They want fresh ideas, turnover. Uh, They want to help get money out of politics. Term limits is a great way to attack that. Uh, And, of course, the Republicans there are dissatisfied with the two uh, Democrat senators who have just overstayed their welcome. In Vermont, we actually have a a bill that's gotten filed by Representative Bob Helm in the state house. It does not have a number on it yet, uh, but that is going to be the starting point to see what we can do with the term limits convention uh, up there. Okay, great. During the elections in 2018, uh, we went around and had state legislators sign pledges saying that if they were elected or reelected, that they promised to co-sponsor the tournaments uh, convention bill in their state. Which states did we collect the most of those pledges in? Uh, We collected the most pledges in Georgia, Arizona, and West Virginia. I think in all three of those states, we have at least 20 pledges. 
with which is a, a significant number. And we don't just have, you know, pledges from newer members of the legislature who might be more disposed toward term limits. We've got leadership members who've signed on to our pledges in those states. For example, the Senate president of Arizona has signed our pledge. We've got committee chairmen in Georgia who have signed on to our pledge, which gives us a really great chance of moving the resolution in those states. Okay. Now, for our listeners who want to get involved, and especially that live in these states where these bills are being dropped, what should we be doing as activists to make sure that these bills get listened to, that they get heard, that they get voted on, and that they pass? In all of these states that I've mentioned, the five key target states, as well as several others, we have activists on the ground who are scheduling events. They are scheduling visits to the Capitol, um, which means they're going to bring a group of people into the Capitol for a day. Uh, We're going to feed you lunch. You're going to come in. You're going to visit with your state legislators and tell them how important term limits is to you. Because, you know, remember, politicians don't wake up every day saying, how do I pass term limits? They're only going to do it with outside pressure from the voters, from their constituents. So in all these states, we're we're setting up days at the Capitol. It might even coincide with term limits day coming up in February. We're going to have the opportunity to go out, talk to your legislators, tell them why term limits is important to you, and get them to do the right thing. If you go to termlimits.com, the first link that you're going to see right at the top of the page is to sign the U.S. term limits petition. When you sign that petition, you will automatically be enrolled in email updates about national happenings on the term limit scene, as well as what's going on in your state and your community. So okay. I encourage you, go to the website, sign the petition, termlimits.com. Okay, so so if you're in Georgia and you've signed the petition, then you're going to get an email saying, hey, on, on February 27th, term limits day, we're going up to the Capitol and uh, to go door to door to push for the bill or whatever it is that you're you're doing. Okay, got it. Yeah. That's great. The bills all go through legislative process. Uh, you know, they don't just immediately go to the floor and get voted on. They have to go through uh, subcommittees. They have to go through committees. And we have a team that's keeping track of all that. When a bill goes into a subcommittee or a committee, we will send you an action alert. You can click on and send a message to the members of that committee encouraging them to vote for it. Right. So everyone, keep an eye out for the action alerts. And when you get one, act on it immediately. It's super important. There's usually, especially with these um, action alerts that you're talking about regarding a committee vote, that can come up really quick. And sometimes we have 24 hours to make our, our stand. And so when you see that action alert from U.S. tournaments, please click on it, read it, do it. It's usually just sending an email to a particular legislator or a group of legislators or going to our page and using our tool to send a message or making a quick phone call or something like that. It's very something very simple. But when a lot of citizens are doing it, it's enormously powerful. Sometimes they won't give you any notice on the committee hearing because they don't want you contacting them. Right. They don't want to hear it from their constituents. So it's important that our people always be one step ahead of the swamp dwellers. We need to be on top of this. We need to get those messages into our state legislators. So sign the petition and look out for those alerts that we're sending out. Chicago term limits opponent indicted for corruption. On January 2nd, the FBI lodged a 37-page criminal complaint against Edward Burke, a 50-year incumbent on Chicago's City Council. Since 1983, he has chaired the city's powerful finance committee. I've been in office since 1969, see? During that time, he has apparently also been using his position to shake down individuals and companies for money. (laughs) I run this Chicago machine. I know it like the back of my hand. 
It is Chicago after all. For much of 2017, federal agents followed him around and recorded his phone calls and eventually raided his office. The FBI says that Burke insisted that the chain of fast food restaurants, including a Burger King, hire his law firm, Clafter & Burke, to handle their tax affairs in Illinois. Burger King didn't need a new tax firm, so they settled on a $10,000 donation, in quotes. <laughs> The FBI also says that Burke withheld a city permit from a restaurant owner who wanted to renovate until the businessman wrote Burke a big fat check, etc., etc. You'll never take me alive, see? That this case should arise in Chicago is hardly a surprise, as a University of Illinois study from 2018 called Chicago the most corrupt city in the U.S. A survey in 2016 found that over 90% of Chicago-based business leaders observe cronyism in city government. Of the 10 largest cities in America, Chicago is also the only one without term limits on its city council or mayor. Oh, we have term limits. They're called election. Term limits discourage corruption, as corruption is highly correlated with tenure in power, as long tenure both breeds arrogance and provides opportunity. Term limits also encourage transparency, as the critical institutional knowledge is not bottled up among a team of entrenched incumbents. Instead, you have a regular stream of ex-council members constantly being created who have intimate knowledge of the system. Meanwhile, new members come in and review the systems with fresh perspectives. Ah, fresh perspectives. I don't like it. Voters know this, and in 2018, about 60% of the voters told pollsters they supported term limits on the Chicago Council. In 2018, there was a serious attempt to put mayoral term limits on the Chicago ballot. However, under state law, only three ballot questions can appear on the ballot in one election. The Chicago City Council promptly approved additional advisory questions so that the term limits measures would be crowded out. Governor Quinn called this a sabotage tactic. It is also fair to call it corrupt. <laughs> Guess who sponsored the measure to boot term limits off the ballot? You guessed it, Alderman, Alderman. Ed, Ed Burke. And these congressmen in office are doing a terrible job. I mean, we're in the midst right now of the longest shutdown uh, of the federal government in our history. And um, what's easy to forget is that this is not just a matter of the current Congress versus the current president. We've had 21 federal government shutdowns in the last 43 years. I mean, this is a long-term, intractable problem that just showcases the dysfunction of the U.S. Congress in, in yeah. uh, fulfilling one of its most basic tasks, which is passing a budget. And congressional tenure has been steadily rising over the last 50 years. So it, it actually seems, I mean, we haven't gone out and done any kind of statistical analysis on this, but it just seems that the longer we allow members of Congress to stay in office, the more dysfunctional the system gets and the more likely we are um, to have these kind of impasses and, and government uh, shutdowns. But my question is, if, if non-essential employees aren't getting paid, why are we still paying Congress? <laughs> Why are members of Congress <laughs> exempt from the shutdown? Can we at least shut them down, too, so that they have to deal with the same pain and misery all these other government employees are dealing with? That's a good question. They're getting their paychecks, huh? They are. And, and there have been a couple congressmen who've spoken out against that uh, on the left and the right. You had um, Alexandria Cortez 
Congresswoman mm-hmm. from Queens, she's a freshman, say that this was wrong. You had Dan Crenshaw, a Republican from Texas. Um, he said he cannot in good conscience get paid while federal employees' uh, futures hang in the balance because of the shutdown. So he actually asked the administrative officer to withhold his pay until oh. they come to an agreement on the budget. But I don't think a single member of Congress should get paid during this impasse. It's just wrong. They're not doing their jobs. They're not listening to the American people, um, and they shouldn't get paid. And um, again, I want to go back to Congress on this because really since 1974 when they passed the Budget Control Act, it's really been Congress who's been in charge of the budget process in this country. And since then, they've only managed to pass all 12 appropriation bills on time, that is before October 1st, four times in all those years. And in fact, 16 years went by when they couldn't get a budget passed once on time. And when they can't pass a budget, what they do is they just pass short-term continuing resolutions to keep the government funded. And when they can't even do that, that's when they have the shutdown, which is what, you know, we're on number right. 21 right now. Right. Um, the dysfunction is almost, it's its unbelievable. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and the standout just seems to be getting worse. I know there were about four spending bills uh, that were approved a few weeks ago to reopen various parts of the government. Um you know, proponents could interpret that as an effort to to try to end the standoff. The Senate is not going to budge on those. They have gotten, I think they need 60 votes to end this, yeah. and they, they have like eight votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mitch McConnell yeah. isn't even really trying. Mitch McConnell is blaming Schumer. No. Schumer is blaming McConnell. And, and it, it's just showing Washington is all about scoring political points. It is all yeah. about beating your opponent, making a partisan statement instead of sitting down and deciding what's best for the country. We have a highly polarized Congress and that the zeal to get reelected every two years, every six years is the central part of that. Yep. You know, the the shutdown is, I guess, a a crisis of some sort. It's certainly being treated as such. Um, And I suppose at some level it is. But when I really look at this whole budget issue in this country, one ongoing chronic crisis that has the potential to put us under is the fact that a Congress cannot pass a balanced budget which they've done only four times since 1975, four times. They can't pass a balanced budget. They can't pass it on time, and then they can't even keep the government open. Right. We need to press the reset button on Washington, D.C. Yeah, and that's a totally bipartisan issue, just like term limits. Eighty percent of Americans, regardless of party, support a balanced budget amendment to the federal constitution. Eighty-two percent support a term limits amendment to the federal constitution. The fact that Congress will focuses only on partisan backbiting and won't even hold hearings on those issues, which an overwhelming number of Americans support, that in and of itself is a case for term limits. Yeah, I mean, we have a is. we have a captured Congress. We have a Congress that is unresponsive to the people who elect them and who pay their salaries. That could be declared a national emergency. That the American people have lost control of Congress, and we're not going to get it back unless we pass this amendment. Good point. That is a national emergency. One, two, one, two, three, four. New faces in Congress won't change old ways. That's what the headline says above the letter to the editor by Nick McNulty of Wyndham, New Hampshire. It appeared in the Massachusetts-based Eagle Tribune on January 9th. We tracked Nick down and asked him to read it to us. Much positive press coverage and jubilant rhetoric greeted the inauguration of the new 116th Congress earlier this week, and for good reason. 
The American people have sent a record number of congresswomen to Washington with this Congress, including Massachusetts' first female African-American elected to Congress, and the first Muslim and Native American congresswoman, respectively. These are all great achievements. I am personally in favor of any man or woman of any color, creed, or race going to Congress that has not been there before. Few things are better for the health of our republic than freshman congresspersons. However, moments after these new women with their fresh ideas took their oaths of office, 78-year-old and 31-year congressional veteran Nancy Pelosi reclaimed her perch as the Speaker of the House. Also, 79-year-old, 38-year congressional veteran Steny Hoyer moved from the House Whip to Majority Leader, making way for the 78-year-old and 25-year congressional veteran James Clyburn to take over as the new House Whip. So we see, while the narrative of the most diverse class of lawmakers in history and the new Democrat Party bringing sweeping change to Washington makes for compelling television, but the fact of the matter is that the incoming representatives such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Deb Haaland, Ilhan Omar, and Ayanna Presley will be nowhere near the levers of power for at least another 6 to 12 years, and that is only if they can be re-elected to those terms and managing to curry the favor of the current party leadership while they do so. In truth... The only way any of these freshman congresswomen or new members of any future Congress can be truly empowered to affect the change Washington needs is through term limits, the imposition of term limits on House and Senate leadership seats in the near term, and an eventual return to term limits on all members of the federal legislative branch through state's Article 5 conventions. Good work, Nick. We encourage people to write letters to the editor on the subject of term limits, and if yours gets published, send it to us. We might read it on the podcast. Who's there? Term limit. Term limit who? Term limit Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. That's not funny. Where's all this laughter coming from? Order! Order in the house! This is the most elite group in the land! Order! This is the greatest deliberative body in the world! The world wants term limits. The Economist magazine has announced its country of the year. It's Armenia. The idea behind the award is to recognize the nation that has improved the most during the past year. The honorific implies no rosy assumptions about the future. Obviously, a country can backslide. The Economist's editors admit that this proved to be the case with prior winners France and Myanmar. This year, Malaysia and Ethiopia were in the running. Malaysians managed to oust a corrupt prime minister, and the new leader of Ethiopia has sought to encourage freedom of speech and liberalize the economy. But, all things considered, the magazine regards the advances in these countries to be too contradictory or uncertain to merit the most improved designation. Progress seems more definitive in Armenia, where former President Sar Sargassian did his darndest to escape presidential term limits, as is attempted by so many heads of state around the world. Sometimes the power grabbers succeed, and sometimes they don't. But everywhere, most voters oppose such shenanigans. They know how easy it is for an incumbent to shove his way to perpetual power no matter how unhappy they may be with him. Citizens know the value of term limits. Armenia's good news is that Sargassian's attack on term limits failed, dramatically. He resigned after massive demonstrations. An opposition figure, Nikol Pashinian, won power, 
on a wave of revulsion against corruption and incompetence, a Putin-esque potentate was rejected. Just what the world needs to see, wants to see, a lot more often. This is Common Sense. I'm Paul Jacob. The tournaments convention bills are dropping in the states and it's time to act. Keep an eye out for our action alerts via email. If you're not on our list, please go to www.termlimits.com and sign the online petition. While you're there, send a message to your federal Congress members and ask them to co-sponsor the Congressional Term Limits Bill that's been introduced by Senator Cruz and Representative Rooney. You can do that at www.termlimits.com forward slash legislators. And it's time to start thinking about how we're going to show public support for tournaments on the first ever Tournaments Day on February 27th. Lastly, Please subscribe to the No Uncertain Terms podcast if you haven't already. You can use the podcast app on your iPhone or Google Play or Stitcher on your Android device. Or go straight to iTunes and subscribe. And also, while you're there, please rate and review us. Let's stick together and work hard over the next few months. Don't miss a single episode of No Uncertain Terms. We'll be back next Monday. Thanks. Knock, knock. Who's there? Term limit. Term limit who? Term limit Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not funny. Oh, <laughs>